Now time for Chillin' with Quilly on ESPN Central Texas. It is time for Chillin' with Quillin. Every Friday we uh, we do it, and uh, so much to talk about. It is Curtis Quillin, the uh, sports director at Channel 6, getting ready for a busy weekend of activity. We've got, um, we've got playoff basketball, uh, girls and boys basketball. We've got uh, big, big uh, breaking news in college football today. And then, of course, college hoops uh, coming up this weekend as well. And, uh, Curtis, it's um, always fun to catch up with you. I, uh, I, let's start with the, the, today's breaking news that college football playoff is not going to expand before 2025. In fact, it'll go through, I guess, the 2025 season, and then they'll try to come up with a new plan for 2026. Uh, and I, I would imagine if it is expanded, it'll look a lot like what they figured out this season, but uh, through various, for a lot of different reasons, it did not happen. Curtis, um, are are you surprised that that they could not work this out, or you think there was just too much bad blood? And uh, it's funny who we blame. We're now blaming the ACC, but of course, it, we probably none of this. We probably would have the expanded playoff if not for OU and Texas leaving. So. The cause and effect, I guess I would start the blame probably with the SEC, and then you can you can uh, let it trickle on down. I, you know, it's easy to blame the SEC, and I'm kind of there with you. I don't necessarily think it's the ACC's fault, although I think they for sure didn't help it. Who I'm really blaming here is the athletic directors and the presidents and, and all these executives who couldn't get out of their own way, couldn't get out of the sports way, because – non-expanded playoff keeping it at four for four more years doesn't hurt anybody except for the players and the coaches checks still get cash it's the best thing that could happen for the sport and so naturally because it's college football because it's the best thing that could happen for college football right it's not going to happen because that's just kind of the way that this sport operates and it's one of the absolute it's what it's one of the dumbest things about college football if we're being completely honest um, I think the playoff needs to expand. I think we saw that, hey, look, ratings don't go down just because you let a group of five team into the playoff. And so I think, you know, Cincinnati did wonders for the sport, and I think it proved a lot. And think of how close we were to having an expanded playoff. And so I do think it's easy to blame the SEC, and I'm right there with you. I'm kind of blaming the SEC um, and OU in Texas. Um, I think there is enough blame to go all the way around. I think that, you know, I think there are some people in the Big 12 that maybe need to look in the mirror and say, are we are we letting our hurt feelings about the way OU and Texas decided to leave for the SEC get in the way of what's best for our schools and for our sport? I'm not saying that to single out the Big 12. I think every conference in the FBS has a little bit of reflecting to do on their role uh, in today's announcement. You know, I think that's fair, Curtis, um, you know, to look at, at sort of all the conferences. I think the the alliance, the so-called alliance, which was formed with the Big Ten ACC and, and Pac-12, was a, a direct response to what was, you know, they've they've since just shown to be kind of a, 
a scheduling type alliance. I don't know how much it accomplished other than maybe helping in not getting this done sooner. There was some thought that maybe you could even have an expanded playoff uh, for the 2024 season. Now, of course, it won't happen until 2026 season at the earliest. To your point about the Big 12, I mean, that's another it's a, it, that's a whole fascinating discussion because you have a somewhat of a lame duck Big 12 commissioner. I don't think Bob Bowlesby's going to do the next deal, like the next TV deal, which is a huge thing for the Big 12 moving forward. I don't think Bob Bowlesby's going to be doing that deal. And but Bob was on the committee that um, that came up with this expansion and and he's at least presented it publicly that, you know, he still thinks it was the best. But it looks like now, and again, maybe this is they're doing bad PR, that the ACC um, really was the one that just kind of like, and, and some of the reasons, I, I, I think that's the maddening thing to college football fans and even those of us that cover it, Curtis, is the reason sometimes seems such like hypocrisy, like, you know, oh, we're worried about player safety. Oh, really? I, I, we hadn't heard much about that over the years, but now you're worried about player safety in the expanded playoff, and that's why you're not going to do it. Um, I, I almost wish people could be more transparent, Curtis, and just say, we all had our feelings hurt, the world shifted beneath our feet, and so we decided to block this thing. Exactly. And just be honest. Don't lie. Don't- Stop lying to people. Stop lying to yourselves. I mean, you, you got your feelings hurt because the SEC just created the first, uh, you know, on paper super conference in college football. Everybody's feeling that way. And about the only person in college football who I've even heard close to being honest about that, the only two people, George Klyavkov, the Pac-12 commissioner, and Bob Bowlesby, in front of a Senate here, a state Senate um, committee in Austin back in August. And so, so let's all be honest with ourselves in what this is. This isn't because of player safety, because as we've learned, the training that these athletes go through in college football is second to, what, the NFL, and that's it. And so these are highly trained athletes who are capable of adding an extra game. Think about it. What, what was the format that the, that the Bullsby uh, committee put out? It was what? Top four get a bye? And so if mm-hmm. you're playing in a national championship game in this 12-team proposal, you're very likely getting a bye. At the very, or at the very least, you're playing at home that first weekend. It, you're, you don't have to travel to a different time zone in all likelihood because you're a top six seed. You're going to be either at home or you're going to have a first-round bye. People getting their feelings hurt. It's the ACC realizing that the architect that let Abo Sweeney build Clemson into what it is is gone. He's at Miami now. It's the ACC realizing that uh, its best shot at a football dynasty in the next five years is probably Clemson, and that Abel Sweeney has to figure stuff out with new coordinators who didn't help him build it to the level that it's at right now with you know his, uh, his offensive coordinator, Tony Elliott, going to Virginia, and his defensive coordinator, Brent Venables, going to Oklahoma. It's a lot of people getting their feelings hurt, inciting concerns that I truly do not think they legitimately have. Yeah, I agree with you. Curtis Quillen, uh, Channel 6 Sports Director, joining us on the Matt Mosley Show, ESPN Central Texas. It's, uh, I mean, if you think about it, the expanded playoff, uh, Baylor and Oklahoma State would have been in there. Um, 
and I believe uh, the ACC would have, you know, obviously had Wake Forest in there, obviously in the fi- in the, uh, the the final four format like you'd have. There's no way in the world Wake Forest is able to make it in there. And, and then, of course, most years, as you discussed, Clemson would be in there. And, and Clemson, if you just average it out over the years, is at, is in the top four. So, again, it's it's um, they they in in proving some kind of point, they ended up actually hurting themselves. They may be upset the ACC that they've done such a ridiculous TV deal. <laughs> With hey, you saw the the news come out that uh, Big Ten is going to get perhaps a billion dollars. And so you can imagine the ACC member schools sitting there thinking about the fact that they got locked into whatever it is, like a 10- or 20-year deal or whatever it is. I mean, it, it, looks, uh, it looks ludicrous at this point. Okay, Curtis, um, I did want to get your take with the, uh, some of these high school boys and girls playoffs. Obviously, the girls uh, already getting rolling. Boys are always uh, uh, right behind them. But again, tonight... Midway plays DeSoto for the final playoff spot. Golly, it'd be so nice to get out of that district. DeSoto, uh, Duncanville, some of those teams have been just so tremendous in both football and basketball. Um, the winner then gets uh, gets Belton, which won the coin toss over with Harker Heights. It does I should? Um, boy, this sounds like a leading question. It is. Does Midway have any any shot in this thing? Oh yeah, think it think it has a shot. I mean, you're talking about a Midway team that beat DeSoto at home. Midway and DeSoto split in the regular season with both teams winning on their home floor. So I mean, they obviously have a shot. This one's going to be on a neutral. I don't remember if I saw where they were uh, where they eventually decided to play this game, but um, you've obviously got a shot. And all the and you know both games were obviously close. Uh, uh-huh. This isn't the DeSoto of old, but of course, people said that about the DeSoto football team this year, and they, all they did was, you know, win what was it, two playoff games and get to the third round. And so, you've got a really, you've got a really tradition-rich program, and you've got a midway team that's, you know, been in every game and DeSoto at home. And the, the thing that you you really have to realize with this game is it's not over just because you got into the playoffs. Now you got to turn around. You got to play a Belton team that been playing really good basketball yeah i understand when belton beat harker heights heights was without a lot of dudes because they were suspended that's not lost on me i think that that's worth saying but then you look at how belton played against harker heights on the road tuesday night they played pretty well in that game and heights came away with the win so you have to factor in that this is a really good belton team and so midway does get past DeSoto tonight great you're on the bracket and you bounce back in a really big way of a brutal, brutal, brutal district. Uh, but now you're going into the teeth of it because if you beat Belton, you got another strong test in the second round. And if you win that one, oh, by the way, now you get you know your district rival and the number two team in the state of Texas, Duncanville. Oh my goodness, yeah, a Duncanville team, and then uh, some of these battles. By the way, in the Metroplex, Duncanville, Richardson, Lake Highlands. I mean, some of the elite athleticism is just insane. Um, on the uh, on the girls' side, I always like getting uh, Curtis your take on like who has the chance to to kind of hang in there for a while and 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 go the longest. I mean, we've seen over the years. I mean, I think of Crawford. I you know some of the great things they've done in girls' athletics uh, on the uh, on the girls' side. Who do you who do you kind of like to uh, 
to 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 really uh, keep advancing and who's who's the best hope for central texas i think there's two there's one near waco and there's one near uh temple and so the one near waco is la vega la vega girls are as good as anybody in the state and capable of getting capable of getting to the alamo dome now of course so much of high school basketball is dependent on matchups and because and the way basketball is played in 2022 matt so much of it's going to depend on are the shots falling that night but La Vega is good enough to get to the Alamo Dome, get to the state tournament, and I think that it's the it, it's probably the team in the Waco area with the best chance um, to get there and to keep advancing. This is a team that, if we're being honest, has been rolling all season long and taking down, take, taking names along the way. Um, and so this is, uh, I think, the best hope in the Waco area for a really deep run. Um, the other one I'm going to say is Academy. If you if you include Fairfield in Central Texas, it's Fairfield. Tuesday night's game between Academy and Fairfield on the girls' side going to be, you know, the winner of that one's probably going to be uh, starting to look at hotels in San Antonio uh, for the state tournament. Those are two very, very wow. good teams. I was at that Academy-Troy game last night. Academy looked really good, um, at least in spurts. And in playoff games, if you look good in spurts, you know, sometimes you got to put that one up in the win column. And Academy, I mean, they jump out. I think they pushed the lead as high as 18 in the, while I was there in the third quarter last night. And so that's a team that has its eyes on the state tournament. And is good enough to do it. But if you want to be the guy, got to take down the guy. Right now, guys, Fairfield, they get Tuesday night, and that's going to be a really fun game. All right. Uh, that is, and man, some of those smaller schools, especially with girls basketball, the shooting has always been extremely impressive to me. And, and you, you become, you know, there's obviously more athletic teams across the state, but some of those small town girls basketball, that's when you get people who just, that's all they've been doing since they were like six years old. And, and, and you do see some great three point shooting and that kind of type of thing. So, I really do love this time of year. Now, Curtis, uh, uh, Baylor men and women, uh, TCU. I mean, this is this is a strange Baylor women's schedule because of the nature. They had two games in three days against Texas. That was a huge sweep for them. And then two times in four days against TCU. I, this is a little scary to me, this type of game. Bears are rolling. Um, have really, but I mean, you know, TCU kind of hung in there the other night. And in fact, uh, even Baylor hit a big three at the end of the third quarter. That game was close. The final score was not indicative of how that game was played. I, I think these are the type of games, if you're the Baylor women, uh, you have to watch out for a little bit because uh, even though TCU's record is not uh, good at like 2-11 and 11 in conference, they do have some talent, especially with Lauren Hurd. Heard's the straw that serves the drink for TCU, and I think uh, we saw. I think we heard Nikki Collins say as much after that game uh, Wednesday night. And so, you know, it's that's a that's a big time matchup. Yeah, you pretty much have to approach it like, okay, new new team, like not playing the same team from three days ago. This is a team that's going to have uh, time to watch film, just like we had time to watch film, right? And so, Warren Hurd is awesome. Uh, she's very very good, and yeah, they needed to guard her better at times in that game. Wednesday night, but I think they know that, and I think they'll adjust to it. Look, TCU has some talent, but some of it's undeveloped, and some of it's and some of that offense is so heavily reliant on Lauren Hurt that the rest of that offense goes cold. Kind of become a one 
a one-player offense. Not, and I don't mean that in a in a negative light, but this team is pretty young in some spots, and so for the Bears, you just can't focus on the fact that you beat them the first time. You have to take the same approach to Fort Worth tomorrow and the second time you played mm-hmm. Texas in that weekend. And I think if they can, if think of the Bears can do that, they'll be okay. Yeah, I love uh, and talking to Curtis Quillen from uh, Channel 6. It is chilling with Quillen. We do it every Friday, and it's become uh, it's a much-anticipated uh, segment that we do. Uh, the numbers bear that out, uh, Curtis. You know, you have overnights or whatever you all do in TV. We look at uh, online numbers, streaming. The Quillen is a heavily downloaded uh, segment each week, so kudos to you for that. Now, the, the um, TCU men show up in Waco. First of all, I had to kind of chuckle because, uh, you know, after a tough loss like the other night at Tech, always don't you love it when somebody goes, Coach, what do you think about TCU on when, <laughs> on Saturday? <laughs> but, again, that, I think that was a young reporter. They'll, they'll learn, so I don't want to make too much of that. But th- this is an interesting TCU team because at times they've actually looked like a tournament team this year. At times they look much like, Jamie Dixon's team has looked like for several years now. So Mikey Miles, tremendous, tremendous talent player. Again, this is one of those games that you can't take the tech hangover into this one or you'll get yourself beat. This team has Baylor as talented as they are, they are they've shown that they're capable of losing at home. So I, I again I think this is a uh, you know, this is a this is a big moment for this team because they can either use this as sort of a, a launching point or this could be a rough day. I don't think this is like a, a gimme at all. It's not a gimme at all, and I think you hit the nail on the head with this one. I TCU was bad. This would have trap game written on it, but TCU's not bad. And trap game, to me, kind of insinuates that the team you're playing, this TCU team's very good. If I was putting the bracket together, I would have this Horn Frog Ball Club in the tournament if it started tomorrow. Um, and it's the, the computer metrics actually have TCU as one of the best rebounding teams in the country. You heard the same press conference I did Wednesday night from Scott Drew. Rebounding got them in Lubbock. Texas Tech had more offensive rebounds in the second half than Baylor had offensive or defensive. Baylor had seven rebounds on each end of the floor. Texas Tech had eight offensive rebounds in the second half Wednesday night. It's not a recipe for success when you're going up against a team like TCU. Mm-hmm. Not to mention, you add in the fact that with all this roster turnover, LJ Cryer still not 100%. We saw him play Wednesday night, but talking to Scott Drew today at a preview press conference for this game, he said, we'll find out if LJ can practice today. We'll see what his tolerance is each day and kind of how he feels before the game and after the game. Could we have played him more? Should we have played him less? Can he play at all? You know, that's, those are questions that this team is going to have to answer, uh, Drew said, pretty much for the rest of the season, not just with LJ Cryer, but with some other guys. Now, Jeremy Sohan looks like he's back to his old self. And remember, he got hurt against TCU. James Akinjo, uh, Drew made the joke the other day that his, his hamstring injury is behind him, literally. And so, <laughs> yes, got some guys coming back. But, man, when you look at the roster turnover that this team has had this year or the, the lineup turnover this team has had this year, and you combine that with ECU's really, really good rebounding abilities, Baylor's going to have its hands full. 
I think the Bears win, and I think I think I saw the line in Ken Palm was 12. I think the Bears are capable of pulling away at the end because of the guard play. I do give Baylor the edge there, and that's super, super important in, in men's college basketball. Man, yeah. this is a danger zone for the Bears. Yeah, I, I agree. And uh, if this goes the wrong way, you start instead of – I think Baylor people have been thinking only in one and two seed fashion. I get that when you win a national title and you were ranked for number one for quite a bit of time this year. But you 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 get on a little bit of a slide here. You could get down on that four line pretty quickly. So uh, this is uh, – That's Oklahoma is, State last year. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, uh, to bring up your alma mater, but uh, all right. Well, Curtis, uh, appreciate it. I would say the only thing I would question in all your great work this week is on your Our Time blog, the episode whatever it was seven. Uh, I'm told I made an appearance, uh, perhaps on that episode, and I felt like I probably should have led your blog. So that's the only thing I'll dock you on this week. Okay. Okay. Hey, you. I gotta say. You you live out that that song. You do wear your sunglasses at night, my man. It looks good. <laughs> That's right. People don't understand it. Uh, I never explain it. All right, Curtis. Appreciate it, buddy. Enjoy your weekend, Matt. There he goes, Curtis Quillen. It is our weekly chillin' with Quillen. Watch him on Channel Six. Great coverage of local high schools and, of course, Baylor and uh, Big Twelve. All of it. We appreciate it so much. All right. Speaking of uh, Big Twelve. We're going to continue on this path and get you ready for both of those games. Horn Frogs tomorrow, both teams squaring off. Another morning game for the Bears. We discuss it all next.